0: Hello. My name is Gerardine goes I am Adjunct Associate Professor of Law at the National University of Singapore. Today, I will discuss the international law applicable to space transport operations and traffic management. Three issues are of particular contemporary relevance in the discussion of the international law relating to space transport operations and traffic management. The first relates to state practice evolving in the field of space transport including launch, transit in outer space, re-entry and landing. The second deals with the regulation of spaceports from and to which space transport vehicles are flown. The third issue relates to the possibilities for the establishment of a harmonised international space traffic management system akin to existing global air traffic management systems. I will discuss these issues in turn. Uh, Let us first consider space transport. Space transport refers to the transit to, through, and from outer space. Current technology requires vertical and horizontal launch from ground, meaning that transport in outer space will at some point during the flight involve passage through airspace. Given the relative youth of the space transport sector, it is perhaps unsurprising that there is no harmonised legal framework that regulates it today. Unlike the aviation sector, which matured relatively quickly in the century since the Kitty Hawk first flew in 1903, the space transport sector has not seen the same rate of development since the launch of Sputnik 1, the world's first artificial satellite in 1957. Today, 60 years after Sputnik 1, transport of crew and cargo to, through and from outer space remains less than commonplace. However, recent events evidence rapid developments in the field, In 2004, Skilled Composites became the first privately funded company to launch a carrier into outer space and return it safely to the Earth twice within the space of four months. That incredible feat won at the Ansari X Prize, truly kick-starting the race for privately funded crewed suborbital and orbital flight operations. On the 6th of February 2018, SpaceX successfully launched a Falcon Heavy rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida, the United States. The Falcon Heavy, a reusable vertical launch vehicle, is capable of lifting a fully loaded Boeing 747 aircraft into orbit. The reusability of the launch vehicle means that SpaceX will be capable of drastically reducing the price of launches, dramatically disrupting the space launch industry, and making outer space even more accessible to a greater swath of the international population. As the number of launches grow and as new entrants to the space launch and transport sector continue to disrupt the more traditional means of space transport, it has become increasingly necessary to regulate space transport operations and to manage traffic in outer space. Although to date there is neither an international treaty system that regulates space transport, nor a global system of bilateral and multilateral agreements that allow cooperation in space transport, several states have begun enacting domestic legislation in relation to space transport. These states have done so in order to ensure that space activities undertaken by their nationals concerning launches, space transport and re-entry and landing are in compliance with their international obligations. Moreover, given the ultra-hazardous nature of such activities, states are intent upon ensuring that national security and public health and safety are not compromised as a This has led to the passage of domestic legislation in states engaged in space transport activities which, from an international law perspective, could constitute state practice and opinion juris in the crystallisation of norms of customary international space law. Five areas in relation to the national regulation of space transport are of particular note. Launch licences, environmental protection, liability and insurance coverage, safety certification and penalties for default. Launch licenses are generally required by states from whose territory a space transport vehicle is launched, or whose nationals launch or procure the launch of a space transport vehicle. These licenses constitute a mechanism by which states authorize and supervise launches, and are usually only granted after certain policy, safety, and legal requirements are met. The launch licensee must generally demonstrate compliance with certain financial obligations, environmental protection guidelines, payload safety and security reviews, as well as technical and risk allocation requirements. Examples of states that have comprehensive launch license frameworks include Australia, Belgium, France, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom and the United States. The United States in particular differentiates between launch specific licenses and launch operator licenses. Launch-specific licences authorise the licensee to operate one or more launches of the same parameters of one type of launch vehicle from one launch site. Launch operator licences, on the other hand, authorise a licensee to operate launches from a particular launch site within a range of launch parameters of launch vehicles of the same family. The protection of the environment is the second aspect that has received state attention in relation to space transport. For example, France has in place certain technical requirements for space launches and transport, in particular, the safety regulations for the Guiana Space Centre. These specify that launches should not negatively impact upon the environment. The Netherlands' 2006 Space Activities Act and rules governing space activities requires licensees to take immediate reasonable action in the case an accident occurs that may jeopardise the outer space environment. In its 1986 Outer Space Act, the United Kingdom specifically requires launch licensees to comply with certain requirements relating to preventing the contamination of outer space or adverse changes to the Earth's environment. The United Kingdom Outer Space Act also provides that a competent authority may require the licensee to ensure the proper disposal of the payload in outer space at the end of its life. This requirement, in furtherance of efforts to mitigate the space debris problem, does not exist in many jurisdictions and is to be lauded. The third aspect of space launches and transport that is under tight domestic regulation concerns liability insurance and the indemnification of the state in the case of damage. Most states that have legislation regulating space transport impose very specific liability insurance requirements upon their launch licensees. For example, Australia's 1998 Space Activities Act requires licensees to obtain insurance cover of the maximum probable loss, or at least 715 million Australian dollars. However, the Act provides that the Australian government is only entitled to indemnity of any excess where the damage exceeds 3 billion Australian dollars. The French Space Act goes into quite the same detail on the apportionment of liability between the French state and the launch operator. It guarantees that France is indemnified for sums exceeding 60 million euros, the amount set by the 2008 French finance law. The United Kingdom's Outer Space Act gives the competent authority the discretion to require licensed applicants to obtain third-party liability insurance. In practice, the competent authority limits the insurance cover in most cases to approximately 50 million British pounds. In the United States, licensees are required to ensure the lesser of the maximum probable loss of the license activity, or $500 million, and to indemnify the U.S. government for liability, loss, or damage sustained by the United States, exceeding $1.5 U.S. billion. The licensee must also comply with the reciprocal waiver of claim requirements set out in the relevant legislation. Safety certification is the fourth aspect of space launches regulated by domestic legislation. Australia's 1998 Space Activities Act requires licensees to establish that the probability of the launch causing substantial harm to public health, public safety or property is as low as reasonably practicable. It also appoints an official launch safety officer to oversee the safety aspects of launches. France requires compliance with technical regulations in relation to space launches and safety regulations at its launch site in Guiana Space Centre. These regulations were iterated over many decades of flight experience from its launch centre there, and are as close as possible to industry standards relating to the health and safety of persons and property, and the protection of public health. The Netherlands 2006 Space Activities Act requires the licensee to take immediate action Uh, measures in the case an incident occurs that may jeopardise the safety of persons and property. The UK's 1986 Outer Space Act requires that the licensee satisfies the Secretary of State and the UK Space Agency that the launch activity will not jeopardise public health or the safety of persons and property. In the United States, the approval of launch licenses by the Federal Aviation Administration is subject to a determination of whether the licensee is capable of launching a vehicle and its payload without jeopardizing national interests and security, foreign policy, and public health and safety. The applicant must show that organized safety procedures are maintained, that a flight risk is acceptable, and a flight readiness and communication plan exists, and that there is an individual responsible for flight readiness. The applicant must also demonstrate safety in all launch vehicle stages or components that reach Earth orbit, and must have a plan to report and respond to launch incidents, accidents, and other mishaps. There is usually also a payload review. It should be noted that the United States also has a separate licensing scheme for experimental launches, in which it is accepted that certain safety parameters cannot be met due to the development stage of the launch vehicle. Lastly, many states also provide for the revocation of licenses and the forfeiture of license application fees in the case where licensee defaults from the legislative requirements in place. Examples include Australia, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom and the United States. Belgium goes one step further with the imposition of prison sentences and fines up to 25,000 euros in the case of default. The consistency of the legislative content promulgated by states in relation to space transport may point to the crystallisation of certain norms and minimum international standards relating to launches and space transport. While the most specially affected states are currently taking the lead in the regulation of certain aspects of space transport, the time may have come for the international community as a whole to establish a harmonised legal framework for the regulation of space transport operations. The second part of today's lecture will focus on the law in relation to the operations and management of spaceports. Spaceports refer to launch facilities and re-entry sites of space vehicles. There are at present two major categories of spaceports. Facilities for vertical launches, which are the traditional launch pads, and facilities for horizontal launches, which are more similar to airports. The regulation of spaceports is scant. At present, there is no international legal framework governing the operation of spaceports. Moreover, only a few states have enacted domestic legislation in this regard. For example, Australia regulates the operation of spaceports through its General Legislation on Space Activities, the 1998 Space Activities Act. Under the Act, the operator is to demonstrate that it is able to operate the launch facility and any launch vehicles operating from that facility. The operator is also to show that it has sufficient funding to construct and operate the launch facility and that the operations of the facility will be in line with environmental protection laws. Moreover, the operator is to ensure that the probability that the construction operations of the launch facility will cause substantial harm to public health and safety or to property is as low as reasonably practicable, and that the operation of the launch facility would not compromise Australia's national security, foreign policy or international obligations. Another example is that of France. The French Act on Space Operations of 2008 and the decrees adopted for its operation do not specifically provide for the operations of a spaceport. Instead, it provides for certain conditions applicable to the use of Guyana Space Centre. The decrees mostly deal with administrative law, hazardous industrial activity, labour laws, environmental protection, and the protection of public health and safety. Special police powers are granted to the launch authority, the Centre National d'Atours Spatiales or CNES, in order to ensure the safe operation of the perimeter of Guyana Space Centre, including coercive powers such as the power to evacuate the facility and its surroundings. However, the most elaborate domestic framework for space ports can be found in US legislation. In the United States, the operation of spaceports, which are referred to as launch and re-entry sites, aim to protect public health and safety, the safety of property, and national security and foreign policy interests of the United States. To date, the United States Federal Aviation Administration has licensed eight spaceports operations through a licensing mechanism. In order to secure a license, the spaceport is subject to an environmental impact assessment a location risk review, and an explosive review of the handling and storage of the intended propellant. The spaceport operator must demonstrate its ability to comply with its responsibilities in regard of public access to the launch site, agreements with air and maritime traffic control, and the scheduling of hazardous activities of its customers. Moreover, the spaceport operator must show that it complies with ground and air safety requirements. The operator of a re-entry site must further demonstrate that the designated re-entry location is wholly contained and of sufficient size to contain landing impacts and effects, including debris dispersion and any toxin release. There is currently very little regulation specific to the governance of spaceports due to the scarcity of such facilities around the world. However, as the commercial space transport industry grows, it may become more necessary not only to domestically regulate spaceports, but also to ensure certain minimum international standards. These international standards would ensure interoperability and compatibility, as well as a minimum standard for the protection of public health and safety, and the safety of property. If commercial transit by space transport is to become an everyday reality, the regulation of their launch and re-entry facilities will become essential, much as the regulation of airspaces and airports is for the aviation industry. And this leads us to the last part of today's lecture, which will focus on efforts to establish a harmonized international system of space traffic management. Recent years have seen an increase in the number of actors and stakeholders involved in the launch of space vehicles and objects. Aside from a growing number of states with direct access to outer space, commercial companies have also entered the fray. Increased and commercialized access to outer space brings with it greater possibilities of interference and collisions. Article 9 of the 1967 Treaty on Principles Governing the Activities of States in the Exploration and Use of Outer Space, or the Outer Space Treaty, obliges state parties to cooperate and mutually assist one another in the exploration and use of outer space as well as to give due regard to the interests of other states. It also requires states to consult with one another in the case of possible interference. With increasing space traffic, there have been calls to establish a harmonised framework for the management of space-bound traffic, so as to provide rules of the road for all actors and stakeholders, as well as to ensure the sustainable use and development of outer space. At present, the only international entity that ensures some harmonization of space-bound traffic is the International Telecommunications Union, or the ITU. A specialized agency of the United Nations, the ITU regulates the radio frequency spectrum as well as the management, allocation, and assignment of orbital slots for satellites. Moreover, as present technology means that access to outer space requires launch from ground and passage through airspace, the international legal regime pertaining to um, innocent passage in airspace may apply. This means that Article 12 of the 1944 Chicago Convention on International Civil Aviation and Annex 2 thereof may apply. Another factor in the management of space traffic is the situational awareness of objects in outer space, both functioning and non-functioning. In that regard, the tracking of space debris in order to ensure the safe and smooth operations of spaceflight is essential to the management of space traffic. Further, the mitigation and remediation of space debris, aimed at alleviating congestion in outer space, is also of relevance. There have been calls to establish a space traffic management regime in order to ensure the smooth global operations of spaceflight. In 2006, the International Academy of Astronautics published a study on space traffic management, the first of its kind. The Academy defines space traffic management as the set of technical and regulatory provisions for promoting safe access into outer space, operations in outer space, and return from outer space to Earth, free from physical or radio frequency interference. It envisaged a global international system with comprehensive space traffic rules, safety regulations, as well as rules and procedures on priority, sustainability, and environmental protection. Moreover, it called for interoperability with air traffic rules, international space law, and international telecommunications law. It also called for support from a reliable situational awareness system with regard to space objects and space debris, in order to ensure the smooth operation of space activities free from any harmful interference. The adoption of a global space traffic management system is still years in the future. Many issues arise in its drafting and implementation, including the necessity for global international cooperation interoperability with aviation and maritime systems already in place, as well as the technical capability to track space debris. With increasing traffic to, in and from, outer space, however, as well as plans for commercial crewed and cargo space flights, the international community may find itself having to establish a global space traffic management system sooner rather than later. The international law applicable to space transport operations, spaceport operations, and space traffic management is still nascent, Recent leaps in technology and business development plans may provide the impetus for the adoption of an international regulatory regime in the near future. To date, there has not been a need for a global, detailed legal framework. Instead of being reactive and waiting for an accident to happen, however, it may be better to proactively work towards an international legal regime for the regulation of space traffic management. Thank you.